The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. <laughs> Today on Fretzelmania Podcast, episode 56, I review WCW Beach Blast 1993, featuring a main event tag team match between the masters of the powerbomb, Sid Vicious, and WCW champion Big Van Vader, going up against the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and the man called Sting. Also, for the NWA Championship, Ric Flair challenges champion Barry Windham. The United States Championship is on the line in an Iron Man Challenge match pitting Dustin Rhodes versus Ravishing Rick Rude. Also, the Tag Team Championship. The Hollywood Blondes, Stunning Steve Austin, Flying Brian Pillman, going up against the Four Horsemen's Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. All that and more on this interesting retro pay-per-view review right here on Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. It is July 18th, 1993, live from the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi, Mississippi. WCW's Beach Blast, 1993. What's going on, peeps? Mr. Fretz here of the Fretzelmania Podcast, episode 56. Uh, Just a side note here, this is going to be my last episode of 2021. The next Friday's following the release date of this podcast are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And I'm just going to, I'm going to chillax. I'm going to spend some time with my family. Um, I'm going to work and just do what I need to do. I'll be back in the new year with a continuation of this WCW epilogue with two more episodes with two special guests. You're going to have to wait and find out. Who they are going to be. Give you a bit of a glimpse here. The pop culture of of July 93. I'm nine years old. This is the summer between third and fourth grade for me. I was hanging out with uh, with my good buddy Double J. John, if you somehow find this podcast, uh, shout out to you, brother. I hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, that's all I was doing. As for the albums that were out... The number one songs, maybe, of the summer of 93. Notable ones, at least in my life, are Cypress Hill's Black Sunday, which features Insane in the Brain. I think it features I Want to Get High So High. This is coming from a guy who never smokes pot. (laughs) Uh, I like it, you know. I I respect it, right? (laughs) I respect the hustle. It's like, uh, hey, did somebody here order the London Sympathy Orchestra? Possibly while high, Cypress Hill, I'm looking in your direction. Hey man, did, did, did 
did we order an orchestra? Or Yeah, 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 we think we did. did hey, do you know Insane in the Brain? <clears throat> we mostly know classical, but we'll give it a shot. If you understand that Simpsons reference, I love you. Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, which features Today and a criminally underrated Smashing Pumpkins song, Disarm. Very, very good. In video games, we had Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo. That's This featured, uh, you know, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3 remastered for the SNES. And also a new game, which was actually the Japanese Super Mario 2 coined The Lost Levels. Why did it not come out in America? Because it was hard as shit. That's why. It was ridiculous. And just before this, maybe I think in May or June, one big notable release was the first portable Legend of Zelda adventure, Link's Awakening. Very good game. The remake on Switch is cute. It's great. And uh, for a portable game, a lot of replay value, pretty not that long. A lot of extra stuff to get. Uh, I love me some Legend of Zelda. I can't wait for Breath of the Wild 2. Gutted we didn't get any info about it at the Video Game Awards this year, but I'm not gonna complain. There's not really any sense in that. Movies, we had Free Willy, Soy Married and Axe Murderer, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. <gasps> wait, what? Ah, oh, get in. Robin Hood Men in Tights is one of my favorite movies of all time. Just Mel Brooks, an absolute comic genius. Carrie Elwes, who everyone calls the guy from The Princess Bride. Uh, this movie eats The Princess Bride for breakfast. I am not sorry. Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt open the show here. Tony Schiavone is... On commentary, ready for ready for the night. But Jesse the Body Ventura, his broadcast partner here, is at the Tiki Bar. And Shavante is basically just summoning him to come down to ringside. So because Jesse Ventura is a famous movie star at this point in time with the hit movie Abraxas. And of course a cameo in Major League 2. And... Uh, other not so notable stuff here. Ventura is just like, oh, I'll join you here at a commentary desk, Tony Shavani, but I'm going to bring my ladies with me. And then throughout a good portion of the night, and especially during this first matchup here, he's heavily implying that he's going to bang all four of these ladies that he's walking down to ringside with. I hope you bought your blue chew with your brother. Opening up this pay-per-view... For the television championship, Ron Simmons challenging Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff for the title. Gary Michael Capetta on the ring announcing here. Just mwah, chef's kiss of wrestling history right here already. Shivante, Ventura, Orndorff, Simmons, Capetta. Let's go. 
Ventura says that, you know, me and my four ladies have things to do after this show. Bump, chicka, womp, womp. And we see Ventura here has no hair on top, but a little tuft of a tail at the back. So he's kind of got like a skullet hawk thing going on here. It was, it was really, really weird here. And, uh... There's a note here that if Orndorff gets disqualified, he loses the match and his television championship here. Uh, Ron Simmons, the future Farouk Assad, is in gold and burgundy. The All-American that he is, despite the fact he is not in any red, white, and blue. There are some chants here that, in this context... Don't age well. But the Biloxi faithful here, and most of the WCW fan base at this point in time, had been chanting Paula to Mr. Wonderful here. And, uh, yeah, there is a pennant that someone fashioned in their home that also said Paula, thrown in the ring here. Ondorf here throws a strop. He does not like it. I do not blame him at all because that's kind of, I don't know what the word is. Sexist? Is it sexist? Anyways, yeah, that is just some weird stuff here. There was a really nice drop kick by Simmons, an elbow drop missed by Paul Orndorff. This match is just going all hell for leather. It is just go, go, go. Uh, Paul uses one elbow to kind of lock the other and hit Simmons. So, is this when Orndorff was really starting to have problems with his arm and have... Was it atrophy? I, th I think it was. He had some major problems with his uh, physique a little bit later in life. Orndorff locks in the sleeper, but Simmons lands a back suplex and then a big old flying nothing. Ron is working the knee with a nice heel hook. The match empties out onto the floor with a schmoz. Uh, Paul whips... Simmons's head into a monitor. Uh, was there a, a DQ in here? Simmons with a really, really nice high knee. Should note here that Randy Anderson is the referee for this match. A power slam, power slam, is denied by Paul Orndorff. There is a pile driver that Simmons is going for, but is reversed into a backdrop to the outside. And we get a disqualification. Oh boy. Cowboy Bill Watts. As soon as I saw the DQ after the backdrop to the outside, I knew we were in the damn Cowboy Bill Watts era. And yeah, Ondorf retains his title here via disqualification with the stupidest rule in the history of professional wrestling. Something to the outside is a DQ. And there is a couple of over-the-top rope maneuvers in this show that do not land a disqualification. And it's incredibly confusing. But this was a really, really fun opener. Two fantastic wrestlers just going at it for a championship. Not a bad match, but kind of a not a good way to start start the crowd here it kind of pissed them off it took them a bit bit out of it for a minute tag team action here with two cold scorpio and marcus alexander don't call me buff bagwell 
going up against Tex Slasinger and Shanghai Pierce. Also known as the future Vinius I and Henry O. Godwin. There was a pose off here and the Cowboys are billed from Amarillo, Texas. A nice little town on the north end of the state. And I've been there. It's quaint. It's small. It's really nice. It's also the hometown of the legendary Terry Funk. Henry O. Godwin is wearing a mask for some reason. I guess this is some kind of masked cowboy, gun smoke, tombstone, Red Dead Redemption kind of gimmick here. A really nice double face buster by, by Scorpio and Bagwell. Really good power spots by Slashinger and Pierce. Double hip toss. The comical wibbly selling when you're in the middle of a sunset flip. The Aloha Arn, as OSW Review would put it. Shout out to OSW Review. A really nice crisp lariat by Tex Slashinger Midian. A sleeper hold by Henry O, and the crowd is starting to get on Bagwell's side so Scorpio can get the hot tag. A beautiful Dr. Bomb by Shanghai Pierce. Hot tag to Scorpion. There was a twisting splash that does not get the job done, but eventually a back suplex by Bagwell and a 450 splash on Shanghai Pierce. And the team of Scorpio and Bagwell win a decent tag team match here I, I enjoyed it i forgot about the godwin's former gimmick i didn't know that bagwell was in the company this early he was named the breakout star of 1993 so he had kind of been around the block just a little bit and he doesn't look a lot like the buff bagwell that i would get to know and love during his nwo days they all looked really good in here. Too Cold Scorpio is one of the most underrated workers ever. Awesome high flyer. Just doesn't get enough credit. His run in WWE, I mean, it was weighed down by a stupid flash funk gimmick, but he can still go in the ring. Just fantastic stuff. Missy Hyatt interviews Paul Orndorff who calls himself the John Wayne of professional wrestling. He is backed by his heavy, the Equalizer, the man who would go on to be Dave Evad Sullivan. Oh, jeez, yeah. Don't look up that gimmick, folks. For some reason, he starts ripping into Ricky Steamboat here, calls himself a graybeard, and says he's the best TV champion ever, blah 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 blue Next up, we have walking nepotism Eric Watts going up against Lord Steven Regal with Sir William. That, of course, is Bill Dundee in a butler kind of outfit. Uh, big shout out to my British good brother from across the pond, Jermaine. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Let's go, Chiefs. Regal starts off this match with some classic rule of sport mat wrestling just out wrestling this kid, making him look, well, you know. There was a really nice hip toss by Watts. Ventura promises to interview the winner of this match. Regal lands just a crisp, delightful European uppercut. Watts goes for the STF. He must be pressing A and B and no mercy because that's William Regal's move. Eventually, Sir William 
reaches into the ring behind the referee's back and says, What do the five fingers say to the face? Slap! He hits Eric Watts. Regal rolls him up with the tights in his hand. And Regal is the winner. Thank goodness Ventura gets to interview this guy. Speaking of William Regal, while Jesse Ventura is going to the ring to interview him, we see a promo for Fall Brawl War Games. Regal says that he didn't break a sweat with Eric Watts. He says, unironically, into the camera, soaking wet. <laughs> he quotes Winston Churchill, you know, the on the beaches, da -da 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 -da. you know that one. And we go from here, William Regal as the television championship. That's quite the visual. That's something I'd like to see. Next up, we have Max Payne versus Johnny B. Bad. The future Man Mountain Rock versus the future Mark Marrow. This match, of course, was started because Max Payne spooted Johnny B. Bad with his own Bad Blaster right into the face. And I thought that was something that we could only see on OnlyFans, but here we go. Max Payne, I took note here that he is from a state of euphoria and plays his own theme walking down to the ring, complete with a whammy bar and distorted sounding guitar work, which is a lot better than his WWE run where he walked to the ring while Darren Drozdov's future theme played as he walked to the ring with that WWF-shaped guitar. Where do I get that? I don't know how to play the guitar, but I want that freaking thing. Johnny B. Johnny B. Bad comes out to the ring in a mask, selling his facial injuries here, and he spoots the crowd with his with his bad blaster. Again, something you can only see on OnlyFans these days there is a really garish pink mask here by bad they say this is a grunge match okay the painkiller you know the fujiora armbar man max Payne is locked in almost right away but right next to the ropes but this is a grudge match so why do rope breaks anyways here uh <laughs> we see the aloha iron cell again by max Payne while bad goes for the sunset flip Mark Marrow, just his drop kicks, at least at this point in time before he blew out his knee. Mwah, fantastic. Johnny goes over the top rope, but there's no disqualification. This match eventually breaks out into a schmoz on the outside of the ring. Johnny B. Bad cracks Max Payne's head into the post, puts him back in the ring, and wins the match with a top rope crossbody. Not a bad little contest. You know, Max Payne and Johnny B. Bad were both decent workers at this point in time. I enjoyed seeing Max Payne. I've never seen any of his WCW run. He did some stuff with Cactus Jack. Johnny B. Bad, I saw him wrestle Diamond Dallas Page a half dozen times. And it was, uh, it was really neat to see. Because I haven't watched a lot of WCW, especially from this era. Something with fresh eyes. Not a bad match, but this next match, holy shnikes, it might be my match of the night. The Hollywood Blondes, stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman, defending the Tag Team Championships against the Four Horsemen's 
Arn Anderson, and Paul Roma. Yeah, Paul Roma was a horseman. That that was a thing here. The the other guy in power and glory in the illustrious horseman. But then again, Mongo was one. So, you know, who's who's to say? Austin and Pillman do that camera reel taunt to the horseman here. Arn steals the Hollywood Blondes title belt to pose. And then Austin tries it and taunts too. Uh, are these two teams heels? I, I don't get it. But the four horsemen here are getting the babyface reaction because they're, of course, in horseman country. So, yeah, this, uh, this match here is really good. There's a whole lot of... Of mind games there's a lot of back and forth action it goes for about 20 25 minutes austin is sent to the floor and he is gabbing with all the fans talking a whole bunch of trash paul roma hits stone cold steve austin according to jesse ventura with a cheap shot closed fist closed fists are illegal in wrestling shabani i don't remember why that was a gimmick thing at this point in time Brian Pillman asks Randy Anderson to check Roma's elbow pad for a foreign object while Pillman hides a pair of knucks in his drawers. Just <laughs> great heel work here. So I guess that answers my earlier question about who's the baby face and who's the heel. Hollywood blondes all day. Brian hits a really nice hip toss. Arn Anderson with an arm drag and... Uh, there's a weird line here by um, Jesse Ventura saying that Arn Anderson is the Zsa Gabor of tag team wrestling with all the different partners he's had. He's had Ole Anderson, he's had Tully Blanchard, he's had Ric Flair, and now he's at Paul Roma. That that was something weird. I don't even know who Zsa Gabor is. I don't know why <laughs> I even brought that up. But just Jesse Ventura on commentary just makes me laugh all the time. Steve Austin gets worked over for a little while. He goes for a handshake on Arn Anderson, but Arn is having none of it here. Paul Roma goes for the sunset flip. Aloha Austin cell. Roma botches a, black a backslide pretty bad here. Almost as bad as I just botched that, that word. A crossbody miss by Roma. Roma gets choke tossed. There is another closed fist here with Ventura giving out about that. Pillman is selling an injured knee here. Steve Austin is calling the referee for a timeout from the tag rope, but that's not going to happen here. The next little while is just spot after spot after spot. Paul Roma goes for a sunset flip on Pillman. Denied. Roma gets hot shot on the outside railing by Austin. Paul Roma gets the corner brute, and Austin just Pratt falls and goes for a tag. Roma, the babyface in peril here, is getting worked over by Austin and Brian. Eventually, Arn Anderson gets a hot tag, a DDT. Austin stops the pin with a Brett's rope elbow. A really nice suplex by Austin. Arn suplexes Austin out to the floor. Is that a disqualification? I don't know. Oh, it's because he was on the apron. Arn is worked over. Lands the classic double A spinebuster for a near fall. Paul Roma 
goes for a victory victory roll, but behind the referee's back, Pillman clotheslines him. Austin reverses into the other side of the victory roll with the tights on Roma, and still your tag team champions, the Hollywood Blondes. Holy smokes, just this match. Go out of your way to watch this match. Uh, this was really, really good shit. This was fantastic. Austin and Pillman at their best. You know, Steve, as great as he was, he was never really the same after getting his neck broken in 1997. Pillman, same story for him with his ankles. He, he couldn't go anymore, but... This is peak Hollywood Blondes here. Great match. Eric Bischoff and Missy Hype. This next match, the Iron Man Challenge match. A 30-minute Iron Man match for the vacant United States Championship. Ravishing Rick Rude versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. Missy says that two men in 30 minutes is a dream. TMI, Missy. TMI. I, uh, Rick Rude's WCW theme absolutely slaps here. Go Google it right now. The absolutely ravishing, mwah, fantastic stuff here. Uh, Dustin Rhodes's, they call them the natural theme, according to Ventura, is goat herding music, which, okay, as a redneck, I understand and I, I kind of get it. I agree with him there. I hear this song and I can just smell horse manure. Yep, I can too. And I'm just brought back to to my aunt's horse farm right now. Just, just thinking about it. Ventura, he paints a very eloquent picture, this guy does. Just underrated on commentary. The United States Championship was recently held up as a result of a controversial dusty finish when both men had shoulders on on the mat and as a result the title is just vacant vacant just might be the best champion in wcw history i mean look at how many times the title was vacant in 2000 my my point exactly since this is an iron man match for 30 minutes there is a lot of stalling of trash talk of schmoz to the inside and outside of the ring until we get to your pinfall spots. A little bit of a backstory. Uh, Rick Rude was hurt leading up to Starcade, which caused him to lose his title match with then WCW World Champion Ron Simmons. He was stripped of the U.S. title a little bit later. Dustin Rhodes won a tournament to determine the number one contender of that title, but as a result of Rude's vacancy, he won that championship. And in the, <laughs> this is a funny name, the Computerized Contender Challenge, there was a match between Dustin Rhodes and Japanese legend Kensuke Sasaki that didn't happen because of a injury if you will, caused by Rick Rude. After a lot of trash talk and trading each other's taunts, you know, Dustin Rhodes doing the Rick Rude swiveling hips taunt, Rick Rude lands the Rude Awakening and goes up one to nothing. There is 10 minutes left. 
Dustin Rhodes hasn't tied it. Five minutes left. Dustin has not tied it. Eventually, with three minutes left, Dustin fires up, lands the Bulldog, and we are tied at one apiece. The last three minutes are all Dustin Rhodes here trying his damnedest to get the lead and get the win. Dustin with a top rope bionic elbow, count out, pile driver, foot on the rope, running elbow drop, lariats, a sleeper hold that lasts a really long time. We are down to 30 seconds left. 15 seconds. DDT by Dustin Rhodes. And by the time he gets to the pinfall, he is too late. One second left. He goes for a pin. One to one time limit draw. And as a result, the title is still vacant. Nobody is champion. We are back to this match down the road. You know what? For an Iron Man match, it was pretty darn good. There was a lot of plotting, but half the match was the stuff leading up to the two falls that we had, and it was entertaining. It took a long time to get going, but when it did, it was great. These two are just amazing workers. Dustin, in his 50s, is still going really great today. Like I watched his, I think it was a six-man match with the Factory or something on Dark Dark Elevation last week, and he looked really damn good. The finish, though, kind of sucked. It would have been nice to have your new champion crowned on a pay-per-view but WCW was really pushing all their worldwide and their Saturday night and their Clash of Champions shows. So maybe we get a new champion on the Superstation TBS. Next up here was kind of confusing because it was an NWA championship match between champion Barry Windham and challenger Nature Boy Ric Flair. But the NWA title here was what would become the WCW title. Like, you know, the big gold belt, the World Heavyweight Championship from the Ruthless Aggression era, if you will. Because the WCW champion is Big Van Vader, who is in the main event tag match, and that title just, I think, got retired or became a different championship entirely throughout the rest of the year. But it was really strange. The... The relationship between the NWA and Turner was about to expire. So you kind of had two champions under one brand here. So it's kind of like having the world champion and the universal champion, right? <laughs> How silly. The champion, the lone wolf Barry Windham, coming out to a hilariously, laughably bad shit theme here. Just, just go back and listen to it right now. It's... It's ridiculous. There was a whole bunch of 90s cheese WCW themes like the aforementioned Simply Ravishing and Ron Simmons' theme and Johnny B. Bad's Little Richard ripoff. But this takes that cake. This was really bad. Ric Flair, of course, coming out to Zach or whatever that piece of music is called. The Ric Flair theme. The Space Odyssey. <laughs> whatever it is. And this is an old school back and forth match here. Uh, 
Ric Flair goes for a jackknife pin. There is a chop-off. Barry went over the top rope, and there was no DQ here. So I'm starting to think that unless you caused your opponent to go over the top rope, like if you did a backdrop to the outside, if you friggin' Bam Bam Bigelow Spike Dudley over the top rope to the crowd kind of spot, you'd get DQ'd. But yeah, Bill Watts is probably the worst promoter in the history of wrestling this side of Herb Abrams. God rest his soul. Barry goes for the 10-punch spot, but Ric Flair hits a reverse atomic drop and then a chop in the corner. Wyndham lands the superplex, a move that has won him many matches and championships, but because he is worn out and this move hurt him too, it took him a while to get to the cover, and as a result, it was not enough to put Ric Flair away, who is selling his ass off in this match. Wyndham misses an elbow, and then Ric Flair starts working the knee and eventually locks in the figure four on the big man, and the referee counts to three with the figure four locked in. Barry is shocked, and Ric Flair is the new world heavyweight champion for the history-making 10th time. You can audibly hear Jesse's headset come off at the end of this as he is on his way to interview the new world champion who says that he gets better with age and he beat a great champion of Barry Windham. He gives him a lot of credit as Barry is a former horseman and he says it's time to style and profile limousine riding. Woo! Jet flying. I'm back. Woo! Oh, and Ric Flair is back in style. This was his first title match, I believe, in WCW since he returned following his Lose Reliefs Town match against Mr. Perfect in early year 1993 on Raw, I believe it was. Okay, before I get to the main event here, Sid and Vader versus Sting and Bulldog, I gotta talk about the lead-up. <laughs> the lead-up to this whole thing are... These vignettes that were filmed on a beach weeks leading up to this on WCW Saturday night. And it was basically Sting and Bulldog playing beach volleyball with a bunch of kids, hanging out, having a good time on the beach in Biloxi, and Sid and Vader and Colonel Rob Parker and Harley Race are all spying on them from a random boat in the middle of the, <laughs> the ocean. Just, I don't know, being jealous of them. Or, you know, playing with a bunch of snot-nosed brats. Or, or some crap like that. And it gets to a point where Harley Race offers Sting and Bulldog a retirement villa to forfeit, I guess, their match or something. <laughs> And, of course, the the baby faces deny, and we get a thing here. And this puts both Baywatch and Thunder in Paradise to shame. Especially with the visual of Sid Vicious, the namesake of my pet cat around this point in time, in flip-flops, in his wrestling gear. Just so good. Just 
pure comedy. We're at the main event match here now. Masters of the Power Bomb. Sid Vicious and WCW champion Big Van Vader with Harley Race and Colonel Rob Parker going up against the team of the British Bulldog and Sting. Sting and Bulldog coming out here kind of looking like the Allied Powers, which would give us a glimpse into 1995 with Bulldog and Lex Luger. Right away here, the, the baby faces get on fire, but then start getting worked over by the power of the heels with Sid one-arm chokeslam on Stinger. Sting and Davey hit a flying attack together on Sid. Bulldog impressively lands the delayed vertical suplex on Vader. Not the first and last time that he would do this in his career, but it's always... So impressive to see a man that big just get worked over by, by Bulldog. He deserves a lot of credit. Unfortunately, Bulldog would have be passed away 10 years after this event airs, but just the power this guy had. We see Vader with a really nice belly flop move here. Sid with a boot to the British Bulldog, who is playing the babyface in peril. Sting gets to play that very same role throughout this match as well. Just selling the power, the seeming, the seemingly invincibility of the Masters of the Powerbomb. Vader rips off his mask. I guess he's tired of not being able to see out of that damn thing. A sunset flip is denied. Vel Vader hits a really nice elbow. Sid with a really nice axe handle. Sid goes for a nerve hold on Bulldog. That goes Magna. Shout out again to OSW Review for that one. Sid gets slammed by the Bulldog. Race, Harley Race comes up to the apron here, holds British Bulldog for a Vader belly flop spot, but Vader hits his own manager and gets the hot tag to Sting. We see the drop kick, the... The typical Sting yell. Sid cheap shots Sting from behind. Sting then gets worked over to be the babyface in peril. Vader goes for a Brett's rope lariat. A superplex is denied. Bulldog gets the hot tag in. Works over here with all of his power spots on the heels. A Vader bomb. And Sting makes the save as the Vader bomb is landed on Bulldog. Vader then goes for the moonsault and lands it on Bulldog. Impressive spot here. Sting once again saves the day. And then Bulldog impressively with a crucifix pin on Big Van Vader for the win. Overall, that was a pretty fun show. It was a very good match here at the end. Hollywood Blondes versus the Horsemen just absolutely stole the show. Rhodes and Rude, while plotting at times, was very good. It furthered their feud as well. And I've been enjoying going back and watching these random WCW pay-per-views. I got a couple more left before I start my, my next storyline in the Ruthless Aggression era with uh, Starcade 1990 and... Bash at the Beach 1996, both of the special guests, they'll be revealed in the coming weeks. And folks, that's going to do it for me. 
for this year. I'm not releasing another podcast until after New Year's. So I just want to thank every last one of you who has listened to this show, who is still listening to this show, listening to me ramble on about a bunch of absolute nonsense. I I love you and I treasure you and I thank you. It means so much to me, folks. To everybody on Wrestle Attic Radio, the Kings of the Rings, Mr. YLP, and Mance, sending all my love down to Kentucky, by the way, Mance. Hope you're all safe. Thank you. To listeners, new and old alike, thank you. To people who have allowed me to spew nonsense on their podcasts, you know, Nate, I'm thinking of you, and Kyle, hardest part of the ring, thank you as well. It's been a really trying year for the Fretz family, as as you all know. My, my father passed away a couple months ago, and it's going to be our first Christmas without him. And it's going to be really hard. It's going to be hard on my mother, I know. But she's going to come up and spend the holidays with with myself, my brother, his kids, and it's, you know, it's going to be great. So, folks, surround yourself with people who love you. Whether they're your blood family, whether they're not, whether they're friends. Just remember that, folks. Whether you're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ or not, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, or even Festivus, for the rest of us. Have a happy and safe holiday season. For the love of everything holy, do not drink and drive. If you drink, make a plan to arrive alive. And uh, let's hope for the best for for New Year's, everybody. Let's Let's make 2022 a great year. I got some cool things in store. Wrestle Attic Radio, podcasting-wise. I can't wait for you guys to hear it, and we'll go from there. So, bless you, and have a prosperous new year. Much love. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're on the can. He'll hunt you down and blast your ass from here to Pakistan. Oh. You better not breathe, you better not move, you better off dead, I'm telling you, dude. Santa Claus is gunning you down. Yeah! Yay! Merry Xmas, everyone! Yeah!